0: Welcome to the Love Good Podcast, brought to you by our patrons. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and what we call the art of being human. You see, Love Good's more than a subscription company. We're a movement of artists and patrons who believe in the power of beauty to evangelize our culture. And we're so pumped you're here. Today, I'm sitting down with regular contributor, director of operations, basically Wonder Woman. Yeah, you know her, Marisol Alasea. And okay, so I can't resist. Every few episodes, I'm talking about Michael D. O'Brien, my favorite novelist of all time. And that's largely because a year ago, I began rereading his apocalyptic series called Children of the Last Days. Okay, now I'm not one of those, uh, how do you say it? Doomsday shouting at the uh, you know street corner, telling you that the world's coming to an end kind of guy. Right? I bring that up because there's a huge tradition of apocalyptic literature, especially within the Catholic Church. And uh, one of my kind of old-time favorites is Robert Hugh Benson, who wrote a book called Lord... Of the world, and that very much inspired Michael D. O'Brien, among other influences like Cardinal Newman, St. John Henry Newman, G.K. Chesterton, C.S. Lewis. It inspired him in the mid 90s to begin a series that really became very, very famous because of one of the main books of the series called Father Elijah. So because things just felt kind of crazy a year ago, because I I couldn't really see what was happening in the culture and in the world very clearly, I needed what I would call a prophetic voice. And when I read this series 25 years ago, no, that's not true. When I read it 10, 15 years ago, it came out 25 years ago, I just remember it shifting my lens, the lens through which I saw the world, my my ability to even more astutely analyze not with brilliant intellect, but rather with the, the spirit of faith to to really analyze what's happening in our culture at large. So, I really do believe that Michael D. O'Brien is, in fact, a prophetic voice, and I absolutely have been deeply edified, encouraged, and challenged in rereading this series. And today, we're just diving into this fundamental difference between what Michael D. O'Brien calls the spirit of the world, Spiritus Mundi, and the spirit of really of faith and of the gospel. So I'm really excited. This is a a deeper conversation than, well, they're all pretty deep on the Love Good podcast, but this is one of the deeper ones. Kick back and enjoy. And I'll be back in just a moment with Marisol. But until then, here's a little excerpt of Slow Down by Kevin Heider, live from our Fireside Sessions.
1: We are all just pilgrims wandering this earth. So it is and always will be until our rebirth We're all bent and broke on birds that ain't got wings And to those at the top, well, those below don't mean a thing Yes, up the chain of this command, the blind lead the blind Change the voice that's leading them on, but you cannot change their minds. Or when the blinds start swinging and they cut you and you bleed, don't give in to your hatred, or you ain't never gonna be free. Just slow down, slow down, don't give in to your hatred, or you ain't never gonna be free.
0: Marissa, welcome back.
2: Hello, Jimmy. We're both
0: sipping on. uh, Well, I got lemonade. What do you have?
2: Half sweet, half unsweet. That's something my mom would
0: do. That's so funny. She's all about the half and half. It's good. Well,
2: there's too much sugar in the sweet tea. It tastes great, but it's just too sugary. It's too sugary.
0: I've gotten really into Arnold Palmer's lately. Oh. Especially when you just know that, eh, maybe the best thing right now is not a beer, but you want something that's more than water, you know? Well, like I I
2: like sweet tea because it's just enough caffeine in the, the middle of the day.
0: Yeah. These are the tea, though, it only has one-fourth the caffeine that coffee does. Yeah. It's interesting. That's four cups to keep up with the one cup. You okay. Know I'm just I think
2: that the coffee, I think the caffeine works differently. You do? I, I, okay. This is more experimental and not very… Experiential. Uh, yeah, experiential. Not as much like research that I've done. But I think like tea caffeine like lasts longer, but it's not as intense. Whereas coffee caffeine just like hits you right now and then you're good and then you need another cup <laughs> in an hour. <laughs> It's hour.
0: That's an interesting theory. I mean, they say apples, for example, they're really good for sustainable energy.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they say if you're not addicted to caffeine and you eat an apple every morning, it'll have the same effect on you as a cup of coffee.
0: So a really good friend of mine who's a bit of a mentor as well. I think he's approaching 70 he always looks 10 years younger than he is. Always, always has. He's do a little bit patron. Friend? You do, you do. Okay. But he has only eaten an apple for breakfast for like most of the last 15 years. And he's just like so healthy and he's mm. so present and he's so energized. And yeah. he's an amazing guy. So I, there's always a lot to learn there. How you eat and how it affects how you feel and all those things. That's absolutely. Love what is good.
2: Become what you love. Yeah. Change the world.
0: There you go. I mean, so this is the kind of conversation if we're not careful, it will veer into diets. And
2: yeah, of course, uh, we're not going to do that.
0: <laughs> and but I, I know many a people who like thinking about this stuff. Yeah. And I, I love them because they help me think about it a little bit more. Thankfully, though, that's not what Love Good is about. Love Good food, though, it could come a day. Yeah, I could see it. Got Love Good music, books, art, culture. Food is a part of culture.
2: I'm sure it'll come straight from the Hanning's homestead.
0: Let's just go and have a moment then, just to dream out loud. Okay. Before we dive into what we really want to talk about today. If we had to start somewhere Mm -hmm. with Love Good Food, okay? I'm pretty sure I own the domain name, lovegoodfood.com. If someone else goes out and (laughs) and buys it right now, you're so done. I mean, whoever you are, don't do that.
2: I'm pretty sure I
0: own it. Lovegoodfood.com. What what would you start with?
2: Chocolate.
0: That is exactly (gasps) what I was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> I actually it's so good so these little and then cheese oh it's a good choice I, I do really like cheese and that seems reasonable to me you could start have you there.
2: ever had cheese straight from Wisconsin
0: uh-huh.
2: yeah I have okay yeah it's, it's really good it's, it's very it's special it's different it's next level Just tell us
0: why it's you fresh. love Wisconsin so much these days
2: Oh. Well, I love <laughs> <laughs>
0: Marisol uh, my boyfriend's uh, from Wisconsin <laughs>
2: I'm all right now you're not
0: red. I mean, um,
2: yeah. Now I really, you're looking kind there's of There's a lot like, of reasons why I love Wisconsin, though, other than just that. <laughs> <laughs> That's One, great. One, the cheese.
0: So, we would start with chocolate and cheese. Yeah. I have to say, I've been growing in my appreciation for chocolatiers lately. Ooh. So, we ship out the Rembrandt's Coffee. We love good coffee to our patrons. And when you go into to Rembrandt's Coffee, where it's all roasted in Chattanooga, Tennessee… I would say the coffee is the first thing you notice because the smell it just envelops yeah. your nostrils. It's an amazing experience walking into that place. By the way, if you've ever been to Chattanooga or if you're ever going to go to Chattanooga, you, you got to check this out. Rembrandt's Coffee Shop Absolutely. in the Art District. It's overlooking the pedestrian bridge in the river. They've got this incredible Tony's Pasta Shop. I was just there last week. It's an entire part of downtown Chattanooga. Catholic owned and operated, actually. I found out because I did a retreat at a Catholic high school and turns out it's this big old family that runs that entire district. They bought it for next to nothing in the late 80s, early 90s. And turns out it's like super hipster now. So I realized in the last few trips to Chattanooga, the coffee is like the first thing I notice. Yeah. The chocolate is the second. Oh, and it's, it's all good. like bourbon and whiskey God, infused, God. very well done chocolate.
2: Wait, can we put that in a
0: package? Can we put that in a package? I, I mean, We'll just have to look into it. Let's we'll have to look into it. Because I had that same question of Goo Clusters, which is a local chocolate yeah. company here in Nashville. I, I walked in one day to their, it's not even a factory, but their downtown office. Yeah. And I said, is there any way you could customize chocolate for us? And I think the answer was yes for like a million dollars. I mean, it was just like some yeah. obscene price What if it
2: wasn't custom? What if it's just like a little box?
0: I mean, the answer is yes. And then we just sort of customized maybe it. the, not the wrapper, but the little sticker on top, you know? Or I can put my
2: own sticker on it if they're that's okay exactly with that. right.
0: I think that's possible. And patrons been on the lookout. Absolutely. Or better yet, maybe we just need to go ahead and get lovegoodchocolate.com while we're out. Oh, while we're at absolutely. It.
2: But you know what's interesting about chocolate and cheese? What's that? And wine and and i think coffee too there's there's something about the taste that actually triggers pleasure the pleasure part of your brain so it's not just like it tastes good it's like there's a feeling Mm. literally associated with it it does with that it does to your brain it's not just like oh that tastes good and it reminds me of home it like it's literally a biological chemical that releases like dopamine
0: and this is true of what
2: chocolate definitely yeah definitely cheese I think wine and coffee, but I'm not sure. What's
0: interesting about chocolate is I, I have heard that it releases endorphins. That's maybe that's so what maybe it is. that's it. You know, not dopamine, but <laughs> as endorphins. you can
2: tell, I'm not very good at yeah. the science.
0: But it's interesting. <clears throat> I think all that stuff is interesting. And you know, one of the things that you know I love talking about, especially Dr. Ryan Hanning, and I love talking about is integration. You know, mm-hmm. like this this integrated life, which is really a life of integrity. Now you can take this a little too far and you can become a freak about it really fast. But this does also imply that we're intentional about the food that we consume. Not again, yeah. we're not launching lovegoodfood.com yeah. anytime soon. But this I think is, that's
2: more obvious to people though. Like it's obvious that like when you consume good food, you feel better, you live better, all things. Yeah. But I think we don't I think what Love Good is doing is is we believe that, but like that's what we do with our media. Like yeah. when you consume good media, you're better.
0: Yeah. And the in, the impact is obviously less in the body and more in the soul more at than that the soul. point.
2: Yeah, yeah. Maybe the body too, though.
0: And speaking of the body, um, <laughs> we are both sipping on lemonade and half and half tea because we, we just had Chick-fil-A for lunch. We love Chick-fil-A. And it is really hard to think of a world without Chick-fil-A. I, know. I mean, even... I mean,
2: I think about it every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> that's most of us, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's that's a, that's a great thing. So, one of the things I'm really excited to talk about today is— the, the fact that we are living in a world that demands constant discernment, you know, what the church calls a constant looking for the signs of the times, right? This isn't just true of the world, you know, in the midst of a pandemic. It's, the true, of, it's true of the world in every age, right? In every era, it is the responsibility of Christians to look out there and to perceive the signs of the times. What is sometimes called... Especially the spiritus mundi, the spirit of the world, right? Which is not a good thing. The spirit of the world would be sort of the the antithesis of the of the spirit of the gospel.
2: So I kind think, of what we would call worldly.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of isms out there right now mm-hmm. that we could probably begin highlighting that would in many ways capture the spirit of the world that we're living in right now. What I do find really cool is that there does seem to be a lot of uniformity right now in what people are People are saying. And by people, I mean the people really praying, the people who are really living lives aligned with the gospel and aligned with God's will for them. You just hear this constant thread. And again, we talked about this a few months ago. It is also very easy to tune in a little too closely to the doomsday prophets who are out there, you know, saying the sky is falling. Well, I don't, I don't think it is, you know who the heck knows if this is the end of the world? It is certainly the end of an era. For right? sure. Like things will probably never quite be as we remembered them yeah. to be, you know? And that's a little scary. And I, I, Rather than look at a pandemic that we could debate from the inside out all day long, it might be more important to look at sort of the, the isms around that pandemic and around the mm-hmm. year 2020, we're six months now almost into 2021. What does it look like to be vigilant, aware of the spirit of the world and, and the signs of the times without running away from them. Because yeah. I, I do think this is the constant question for us with media, but is also the question, I think, for any family, yeah. for any sort of lifestyle that you are trying to live, like where you are, what kind of ideas you bump into every day, the kind of people you surround yourself with, all that really does matter. Yeah, yeah. Where do you find yourself as you, as you look out there and you maybe listen to certain, I would call them prophetic voices that you trust. What's your reading on the signs of the times, Marisol? You know, you're, you're certainly young enough to be engaged with much of where the world is right now. You're also old enough to remember that actually as recently as 15 years ago, pre-social media, maybe even 20 years ago in your earliest years of life, Sort of a pre-internet era, you yeah. know it's always easy to reminisce and say, "Oh, if only things could be how they once were, mm-hmm. that's I think like we're really past that pointless you yeah. know, what's that called nostalgia? That's not helpful, but as you look forward, as you look back, you know what do you what do you see what do you what do you perceive these isms to be around you the the things that make it difficult to be truly human, fully human, fully alive?
2: okay, I think there's definitely a spirit of individualism nice. So, kind of this idea that I am responsible for myself, that I need to take care of myself, that, like, as long as I got me right, like, then everybody else can come second. And I think, like, of course, to all of these false ideas, there's always, like, a a little bit of truth, like a sliver of truth. Mm -hmm. So, like, if I'm constantly, if I'm never paying attention to myself and I'm constantly giving to other people and not paying attention to my own needs. Okay. I'm, I'm going to hurt other people. I don't want to hurt myself. Yeah. But I think especially in America, there's a very strong spirit of like freedom is when you don't need anybody else anymore. Mm. And I've noticed, especially like as a woman, because I think I'm always told like, you don't need a man. Yeah. You, you should be able to provide for yourself, which to a certain extent, like, it's, it wouldn't be helpful for me to grow up having no dreams of any kind of career so that I could just get married. Like, that's not a good idea either. But I, I real, every woman wants actually really wants to be taken care of by a man. Every woman. Mm. And I don't know of any girls who want to, like, their ideal dream is to be completely self-sufficient. Like, mm. And which also self-sufficiency is a lie because we're never actually just sufficient on ourselves. But, like, I think in general, we're told all the time that, like, yeah, freedom equals when you don't depend on anyone. When mm. in reality, like, we're always going to depend on God. We're always going to depend on the places that we get our food. We're always going to depend depend on our doctors to keep us healthy. Like, there's no such thing as self-sufficiency. There's no such thing as true, free independence. Like, the freedom comes when we are in community with one another. And there's this beautiful friendship and commingling of dependency Yeah. it's really healthy.
0: I mean, I sometimes wonder, based on that exact thought process, if that's not why the entire world went along with the lockdowns. Yeah. You know? Because we have become so fiercely individualistic. We actually think that we can survive and even thrive in isolation or behind screens. And yet there is something deeply written into the human heart that says, no, like I am made for communion, yeah. right? So i agree. I think that's really an astute analysis, Marisol. You know, individualism being one of these signs of the time that we're living through. Yeah. Not a, not a sign of the gospel, right? But a sign of the, the spirit of the world. Yeah. So how do we sort of stand in con- in contrast or, or be a sign of contradiction to that? Yeah. The obvious answer is we got to be people for others, men and women yeah. for others, give men and your, women of family yourself. and community. I mean, you even think about the power of big families. I'll tell yeah. you what. I was like, just about
2: to say, like, how do we respond to that? Get married and have a lot of kids.
0: Yeah. It's really crazy how it has never gotten old for me all these years later to walk into a home and to be surrounded by a bunch of children yeah. and in love with each other, parents. Yeah. And just like the experience of that is just so deeply edifying i cannot put that into words you know yeah
2: and like we and i'm sure you've seen this too but like it's not like this scene is perfect all the time no and it's not that this dependency is always like this clean cut cookie cutter thing like you do this and you you know it's it's this whole big mess of humanity yeah but it's what we're made for
0: The other big ism that stands out to me is materialism. Absolutely. Or consumerism. And and it's not just this obsession with stuff, although there is a lot of that, you know? I mean, how many people out there are really hoarders at the end of the day, you know, just like cannot seem to let go of things, Mm -hmm. you know, and have this kind of crazy propensity to just collect stuff, you know? There is only so much even pleasure to be had in things, right? And I think one of the like great secrets of, you know, successful companies is is to keep us like hankering for the next big thing. Yeah. You know, I mean I I mean, I think yeah. Apple is the perfect example of this, you know, but I'm very, very pleased with my iPhone SE right now. I, I basically downgraded from the iPhone yeah. 10 or X, whatever it was called. And I just was like done with the huge screen, like the television screen, basically in my pocket every day. And it was heavy and it was clunky and it was metallic blue. I felt lied to when that when that thing showed up at my doorstep. It looks cool blue, and it turned out to just be this lightly metallically nice. blue. Anyways, I was so happy to go to to the SE, you know, whatever that was. I a think year that's ago. what I have too. And then as soon as the twelve came out, I was like, I'm upset. <laughs> you know, like it's just this constant sense that we need more. Yeah. If we want to be happy, we have to have stuff. But this materialism, I think, it sort of crisscrosses with this consumerism, which is really, I think increasingly plague the church as well, where we have this mindset of, oh, if I just even like consume the right podcast or for a brief period of time, live stream the right mass, I'm going to whatever, like be holy or be well-educated or well-formed. I I think even within the church, we have a consumerist mentality and we've forgotten the need to have maybe less of a, let me grasp and consume and more of a, let me contemplate and receive.
2: You and know? I think too like it's not just that people like want new things. I think there's there's a dependency on it. I have a ton of friends that were young, were in their 20s, they hate their jobs. Wow. And I'm tell them, "Well, why don't you quit your job?" "Well, I need the money. I need the money. This is what I need to do right now." And it's like, "No, you don't. You can take another job that ma- you make less money and you'll be way happier, I promise." Mm. Or there's I mean there's a lot of different times where we we lock ourselves in because we think we need money we need things we like I don't know how I'm gonna like I was talking to someone the other day and they were like her and her husband don't really want to have kids and she was saying like well we have this like in our society like the kids kids need this 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 and this and I was like no they don't they need love
0: yeah
2: (laughs) And you you don't need to meet meet a certain budget and buy a house and do all these things to be happy we just Mm. but like we really do think we do and I know this sounds so cliche because you say all this all like this stuff all the time but I forget it all the time it's
0: true it's really true. So the reason this is all on my mind is I'm yeah. just about to finish a book called Eclipse of the Sun. And it's by a Canadian novelist named Michael D. O'Brien.
2: Oh, he's he's been featured on the podcast many times. I know, times. I
0: know. And I just keep coming back to him. But
2: he's he's a prophet of our time. So. I think
0: so. I think he has a prophetic voice for sure. And uh, okay, I'm like halfway through the book when I come across this passage that I had read like 10 years ago. I I read all of his books beginning in 2006, straight through. And I took a little break. And like every time he would put out a new book, I would buy it and read it. Um, But I'm now going back to the beginning and going through them all over again. It's been great. Um, But at one point, there's a a priest up in Canada uh, in this story who uh, wakes up realizing that he is deeply unhappy should be very fulfilled in his life as a priest. He's a man for others. He's living in this beautiful little community. He's obviously comfortable. He seems to have everything you could ever hope for. And yet there's this deep misery that's beginning to take over his life. And and it really boils down to the fact that he stopped at some point perceiving the signs of the time. He, He stopped discerning the spirit of the world and sort of got absorbed by it even in how he would preach, certainly in how he pastured his flock, right? So he has this like kind of wild overnight conversion type experience that then leads to this like epic sermon that like basically raises the roof and like freaks half of the people out. And then he tells them at the end of the mass, you know, come out into the parking lot for those who can stay. I've got a little, I've got a little surprise. <laughs> and so he, one of the things he does is he takes his television and all of his alcohol Basically, and a hammer and and crushes it all right there in the parking lot in the middle of the parish and then burns it. And all, all that's remaining is obviously, you know, the clunkered technology, the TV and the oh, smoke. My gosh. And week by week, more and more the prisoners began doing the same thing. I mean, so it is was, there like
2: this pile of alcohol and technology? Yes.
0: And for him, it was this rejection of the world and just the the passive sort of apathy the apathy that he had sort of grown a little too comfortable with in his own life. Because as a priest, you know, he would kind of get the job done and then he would go home and he would drink and he would watch television. And he was, this is not why I became a priest, you know? And so here he is on the Friday following that whole escapade. And these are the announcements that he puts in the Sunday bulletin. He says, my dear parishioners, there are many practical things we can do to help bring more life into our parish. The following are just some of the changes I intend to begin during the next few weeks. First, with each ask ourselves if the spiritus mundi, the spirit of the world has seeped into our thinking. A stringent self-examination is needed by every baptized believer, beginning with your pastor. Each of us must repent and go and sin no more. So what does that begin with for most of us? Probably like a brief silent retreat even, a nightly examination of conscience, a moment of real introspection and reflection. This world that we're living in, if am, am I've I been absorbed into it, even accidentally, yeah. have, have I begun to think like the same you know, news anchors that I listen to every night or celebrities whose social media platforms I follow? Yeah. Or am I still living very much the spirit of the gospel? Then he goes, number two, you're not going to see me being quote-unquote creative with the words of the mass anymore. I've realized (laughs) lately that if a man cannot be obedient in small things, he will not be so in great things. Oh, so true. From now on, I'm going to be completely faithful. Number three, we will be returning to the regular practice of benediction and holy hour. So now he's just getting into like really richly Catholic devotions that frankly are like really, really basic. Yeah. Really, really traditional, fundamental stuff. And he goes... That we are astonished by this is perhaps one of the signs of how far we have drifted from what was once considered normal Catholicism. in other words, he's trying to normalize devotion, piety, prayer, holiness. Number four, I intend to restore the hour of confessions. Number five, he continues to talk about all these different da-da-da-da-da. as he goes on it becomes very, very clear that this is a recipe for the church being a sign of contradiction in a world. That is increasingly normalized sin, in a world that, frankly, has certainly drifted into individualism and materialism and relativism. But even universalism, yeah, which is, I think, one of the the worst heresies of our day right now, which is that basically everybody's saved. Yeah, there's nothing you actually have to to engage with, yeah. truly believe, or even be held accountable. You don't even held held need the sacrament. Yeah, you certainly don't even need the sacrament. Like, this is a very, very scary hell is empty kind of mindset that is leading people down a pathway to perdition that, you know, who's going to sound that alarm if not the church? And okay, I'm not a priest, you're not a priest. We don't work in sort of the traditional sort of auspices of the church. Well, I guess I do now, that I work for a a Catholic (laughs) high school, but I bring it up because what does it look like for all of us to be prophetic voices Mm -hmm. in our own spheres of influence and signs of contradiction in a world that is ah, most days it looks like it's going up in flames. Yeah. you know, And I'm not even a doomsday guy. I'm not even a pessimist for crying out loud. Yeah. I see the good and the beauty yeah. in things really easily. I do not want to be apathetic, not in 2021, no. not in this point in human history where I think it is very, very easy to go with the flow.
2: I think the biggest question is like, how, are my reactions to this different because I'm a Christian? Mm. I think the, I mean, we've been talking about this a lot, but the pandemic was a really good example of that. Like, in someone who's never thought about death before in the face of a pandemic is going to be freaking out. Because what happens if I die? And what happens if, like, there is life after death? And how do I know what that is? That, like, rightly so, you should be freaking out. But if you know, and if you're prepared, obviously, we care about life. So we're going to be concerned about, diseases but there's no fear in that no because fear doesn't come from the lord that's one thing that i was thinking a lot about i have been substitute teaching a little bit and i was substituting in the pre-k like around christmas time or like during advent and the teacher was asking the kids what did what whenever god sends an angel what's the first thing the angel says and the kids are like fear not <laughs> and i was thinking about it because it's true that's what she, that's what the angel said to mary that's what the angel said to the shepherds to Joseph, to Joseph, God is always going to when He wants to, like His message is not one of fear, His message is not one of anxiety, His mm. message is one of peace. Yeah, and so if you are freaking out and you are scared out of your brains, like look into your heart, into your mind, where am I placing my hope? And th- mm. I'm not just, I'm not just preaching. Like this is, I need to remember this myself. Like yeah. there are plenty of times where I'm full of anxiety about something, and that means that my priorities are not where they should be, and I don't have the Lord in front of my eyes.
0: I mean, you just reminded me of a little Christmas concert we all went to back in December. When old Maka W. Smith reminded us that the Smith family, we don't live in fear. We We certainly don't live in fear of the big C, C. (laughs) you know? I mean, it's so so funny, right, looking back at it now, but it is so easy to slip into that posture of fear. It is so easy. And frankly, you know, if there's any like take home from this conversation for me, it's I have to be a man of prayer and I have to be a man of community. Yeah, I've, I've got to have really, really good sounding boards in my life, mentors in my life, prophetic voices in my life. Yeah. It is very easy, very, very easy. If your whole world is wrapped up in a screen or even just in a very like tight knit family unit to sometimes forget like there's a bigger story unfolding out there. And especially as a church, we have a responsibility to not only engage with that and yeah. to be, in a sense, more aware of the the dangers of it than anybody else, but then to be willing to to fight and transform and to 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 be those, again, signs of contradiction, you yeah. Know?
2: And I think about the lives of the saints, right? I was just reading about Saint. Jehoshaphat, who was like a martyr for Christian unity. And like he he just had this perspective that, Like, to be in union with the church was worth dying for. Hmm. And I don't, like, that's, we got to keep that at the front of our minds. Like, where are our priorities?
0: Yeah, yeah. You aren't really living until you know what you're willing to die for. Exactly. And I can say, as the world has gotten a little bit darker and a little bit less... Certain and just wildly unpredictable. Yeah. It's only further cemented my trust in the Lord. Absolutely. The only unchanging one, you yeah. know, and in the rock that is the church. Mm-hmm. And to recognize that, okay, even if we sometimes struggle under the leadership of Pope Francis because he says crazy stuff sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, or we're uncertain about even our own bishops and pastors at time, at times, like regardless of your creed or denomination there is tremendous hope to be had and constantly placing our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in a very like big and historic and traditional and sort of universal way in the church that he instituted. Yeah. Right?
2: And detachment too. Yeah, I was talking to someone, like this is once again during the pandemic, I was talking to someone who was, she was freaking out about it. And she just kept saying like, I'm so afraid I'm gonna lose my dad. I'm so afraid I'm gonna lose my dad. Okay, that's the legitimate worry obviously you don't want to lose your father but we had this long conversation about like okay but like what is your ultimate goal Mm. like if your your father dies of covid like is that the worst case scenario in the world and absolutely not no Mm -hmm. actually like we place our trust in god not in our not even your own earthly father which is a beautiful like attachment to have but even those relationships, we have to be have a level of detachment mm. when we are clinging to, ju- to only Christ.
0: Mm. Yeah, amen to that. I have to say, this has definitely been one of the more unique conversations we've ever had in the Love Good Podcast. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, in the music and the books and the art that we curate yeah. and promote, and even in some cases fully fund, all the way to this kind of way of life that we see in our patrons and, and many of our artists as well, You know, there is this constant opportunity to recognize that we are very, very blessed to have a perspective yeah. that is informed by the Spiritus Santo, not the Spiritus Mundi. Yeah. You know, the, the Spirit of God himself, right? The Holy Spirit. To be in the state of grace, to, to be in the walls of the church, to have access to the the lives and the writings of great saints who have gone before us, who have lived through even more challenging times. Yeah. It gives me an incredible confidence, right? That God has in fact called us into these times for, for yeah. such a time as this, right? We have a part to play. And, you know, I think for far too long we assumed that that was a political part to play. Yeah. For far too long, you certainly see this amongst evangelical Christians is this sense that all oh, the world's problems can be solved by just electing Believing. the right president yeah. or mm-hmm. the right senator, or the right governor. And and there's something awesome about that. We want yeah. to be politically engaged, civically engaged. But where does this really all come down to? What does it all come down to in the end? The interior life. Yeah. Formation, formation, formation. We can never get enough of the church's doctrine. We can never get enough of the spirit of God in prayer. And if we really want to be prophetic voices and signs of contradictions in these times, we can't let up on the interior life. We cannot let up on the life of the mind either.
2: Yeah. And that these conversations, the dinner table conversations are are more important than even a public debate yeah Yeah, i was listening to this great talk and he was saying he was talking about the importance of of voting according to the faith and the importance of politics being engaged in politics according to your faith but then one thing he said that struck me so hard i actually listened to it on election day this talk Mm. and he was saying as soon as an issue gets to the ballot you've already lost the battle
0: yeah yeah
2: and that has really helped me a lot like as soon as we've normalized something that should never be normalized, we've like we've already lost the dinner table conversations. Mm. We've already, like, we're past that. Like, we need to be fighting for the issues that aren't on the ballot yet. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I think that is part of this sort of discernment and sifting through the isms of our time. Absolutely. To be just really, really aware, vigilant, pushing back actively in our own lives, but then also, like, casting that net wide so that other people get caught into the fold of truth and of mercy yes. and of redemption where there's an abundance of hope, you yeah. know, and obviously divine love to be found. So Marisol, beautiful conversation. Thank you, Jimmy. We'll see you. Actually, I think it's a little bit of a longer stretch until we see you again. So Something too. like June. Yeah. So uh, until then, peace. Until
1: then. See ya. Well, I'm dreaming and my coffee is steaming Getting colder with time and I'm wondering if maybe all this dreaming is better left to the night. I'm oh, lately I've been having trouble sleeping. Will I just toss and turn all night? And I don't know where time is gonna take me. No, I'm just trying to take my time.
0: You're listening to Take My Time, a new song live from Ben Wagner, recorded during our Fireside sessions only a few months ago. He's actually going to be our special guest in the podcast next week. So get excited again for Ben Wagner. Look him up on social media in the meantime. I really hope that you guys enjoyed this conversation today with, of course, Marisol Alisea. All right. I I hope more than anything, it inspires you to consider reading Marco O'Brien. He's got... Not only 15, 16 novels at this point, he is an absolutely gifted artist and iconographer. And on top of that, he's written a few nonfiction books as well that I, I've only read one of them, which is all about the apocalypse and sort of the, the, the scriptural understanding of the end of the world, okay? But then he's also got some incredible books about media and culture and literature, specifically the kind of literature that children should be reading that would actually dispose their soul to virtue rather than vice, which is so much of what the world offers us. So this is a massive plug from Michael D. O'Brien. His writing has completely changed my life. I've, had, I've read every single one of his books except for the brand new one. And I've now read whatever, six of them twice, and Father Elijah I'm reading for the third time right now. So couldn't recommend it more highly, especially in times of just so much uncertainty, times of so much conflict, social unrest, political turmoil. We're living in a time where we need Christians who can discern well the signs of the times, right? And therefore, discern their part to play in the renewal of the church, in the renewal of culture, beginning with the renewal of their own hearts. So anyways, again, Mako O'Brien, couldn't recommend him more highly. Nothing but love and prayers for all of you. Again, I'll be back next week. Actually, Marisol will be back next week interviewing Ben Wagner. You're going to really enjoy this. This guy is not only just really talented. He's so humble and cool. I've only met him a couple of times, but I'm a huge, huge fan. So anyways, have an amazing rest of your week, a beautiful continuation of spring, and we'll see you next week with Ben Wagner. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Love Good Podcast. Share this episode link on social media, leave us a review, and join our movement today by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. You'll start enjoying our premium content and seasonal packages that not only raise your standard for music, books, and art, but that also inspire you to evangelize culture through beauty. We can't wait to accompany you as you change the world.